Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. We're taking a journey together this summer, a journey through the Bible so that as we read along and open up our hearts and minds to whatever it is that God wants to say to us, over time our lives will be transformed. That's just the way it works. We may not understand how that happens, that's okay. In fact, that's more than okay. Just know and expect that as we read Scripture and as we open our hearts to it, the Bible will change us. Today we're in Genesis chapter 3 where we are given insight into why this world can be so challenging. Now, I'll tell you, this isn't going to be the perfect answer. This isn't going to be like a gift all neatly wrapped up for us because we all wonder why things go bad, why life is so tough, why life here on this earth seems to be so unfair. You have your own struggles. And then on top of that, all we have to do is watch the news and we'll hear a story that just makes us mad some guy who does something to an elderly person or someone who has taken advantage of a child and we want to go and find them and do the religious thing and lay hands on them. (laughs) Or we're angered. We're saddened by stories, uh, tsunamis and hurricanes and floods and fires and Well, our Bible story today is going to take us back to a time where there was a perfect world, where nature worked in harmony with people, where there weren't tsunamis and hurricanes and cancer and heart disease, where crops produced abundantly, where humans got along with each other, which means there were no political parties, no fighting, no egos run amok, no bitterness. Human beings got along. And you're thinking, of course they did. There were only two of them. (laughs) Are you married? (laughs) Well, we no longer live in a perfect world, now do we? (laughs) But at first, human beings got along with each other and with God in a very personal and intimate way. In Genesis 1 and 2, you discover a God who is connected to humanity in such an intimate way deep way. The language of the Bible says that God would come and talk to them in the cool of the day, which we are to understand in the evening time. He would interact. He would commune with them. Have you ever wanted to just sit down and and ask God questions? Have you ever wanted to just have that intimate dialogue with Him? Well, that's what it was like at the beginning. There was a time that everything was good. Everything Not only were humans connected to God and each other and the world around them, but inside themselves personally, they were whole, complete. No loneliness, no sense of want. This was the world for Adam and Eve. And when God created the perfect world, He laid down only one rule. Not a list of rules. All the abundance of earth given to Adam and Eve with only one rule. You see, Adam and Eve were operating in a world that was good. 
as long as God was in his right place, meaning as long as God was God and creation was the creation, then everything was going to be perfect. So God gives them one standard, one rule, and it is this. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. What God is saying is, it may have a lot of appeal, but it's going to open you up to a lot of pain. That tree of the knowledge of good and evil, up to this point, Adam and Eve had only known one side of that equation. They were living in a perfect world that God had created. It was all good. God said, but if you eat from this tree from which I am forbidding you, only one rule, do anything else you want to do except this, because if you do, as appealing, as enticing as it seems, look, you don't want the fruit of that in your life. Now, just before we open up to Genesis 3, let's make sure we understand, here's what we're not doing. Sometimes when you go to church, it seems like there's this list of rules and regulations that if you do those things, God is happy with you. And in fact, that's the only time that God is pleased with you. So only in performing will God pay attention to you and love you. That's not true. God comes to us in an entirely different level through Jesus Christ. We'll hear more about that in a moment. And he says, I'm coming to you despite your unfaithfulness. We refer to that as grace, unmerited favor, unearned love, and that forms the basis for this authentic relationship that we can have with God. But it's God coming to us in spite of and in full knowledge of who we are and what we are, and still He comes. Now in Genesis 3 is the biggest challenge, the biggest obstacle, the biggest doing of a don't that's in the Bible because it opens the floodgates for all kinds of pain and difficulty and evil. Remember up to this point, all that was known was only good. After this story, because of this story, now there is good and evil. And human beings are going to know both. And that knowing of both is going to produce all kinds of challenges for us because we live with the knowledge of good and evil. So Genesis chapter 3 opens. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit that is of the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. The one rule. There it is. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. According to Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, which most scholars believe are references to Satan, those two passages, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, reveal Satan's 
downfall. And what is it that led to Satan's enmity with God? Two things, pride and selfish ambition. And now we're going to see that that's what he uses to go after Eve. You'll be like God, he says. Don't you want to be like God? Pride, selfish ambition. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They made a mistake. They did what they weren't supposed to do. Now they look at themselves differently. Before, they were complete, whole. Now they feel like they have something to cover up. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They had an appointment, an ongoing appointment with God. They heard him coming. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Ever been busted? ever been caught doing something you weren't supposed to be doing, then you know what Adam and Eve were going through. They knew they had blown it. And things changed for them instantly. God comes to them and asks, where are you? Now, let's be clear. God doesn't ask this question because he doesn't know the answer. God knows everything. He comes looking for them and calling for them not because he's wondering where they are, but because he's about to engage them in a process of learning and loving. He's going to begin a dialogue with them to open their eyes to his character. Their eyes have now been opened to all sorts of things. They are in the middle of sin and disobedience, and now God is going to engage them in conversation in the hopes that they will see him more clearly than they did even before the sin happened. And it begins with the very fact that God went to find them. They had an appointment. And Adam and Eve didn't show. They didn't show because they were hiding and God goes and looks for them. One of the first principles presented in the Bible about the character of God is this. He goes to great lengths to find us. Not because He doesn't know where we are, but because we are lost. We've lost our way. We've lost our connection to Him and sometimes to each other and certainly within ourselves where words like whole and complete no longer describe us. The Gospels are full of those kinds of stories where people are lost, but in Jesus Christ, God never takes His eyes off of them and He seeks them out. Jesus pursues lost people. In John chapter 4, Jesus goes out of his way to go into Samaria to find a woman by a well and engage her in conversation. She's a woman who has had quite a string of relationships, a past that everyone knew about. 
and Jesus pursued her, sought her out because she was lost. Or in John chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man and in effect leaves. And he leaves that blind man confronted by the religious authorities saying, okay, you think you're healed? Then, then who did this for you? Show us. Tell us about this. He doesn't know what to say. He doesn't really know who Jesus is. But Jesus never took his eyes off this formerly blind man. Jesus, a little later, goes to the temple and seeks him out. Where are you? This question is an invitation to pause long enough to consider a few things. Let me ask it of you this way. Where are you in your marriage? Where are you in being a student? Where are you in your relationships? Where are you in your vocation? Where are you morally? You see, Genesis 3 is not the story of God coming to them to pounce on them. He knows their failure. He knows what happened. He knows there was only one rule. He knows the world is going to be radically different because of the door that's been opened here. But he wants to engage them in a conversation long enough to take pause and help them reflect, where are you? He, that is Adam, answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Not the way they should have seen themselves. They now have a sense of shame and guilt and that they were not complete, so they try to hide their mistake. Boy, that's human nature, isn't it? I was afraid, so I hid. By the way, up to this point, they were never afraid of God. They'd stand face to face and chat with Him, and even that's about to end. And God said, who told you that you were naked? That's our second question. Who told you? And this question is an invitation for Adam and Eve to own up to the influences that are at work in their lives. Let me ask it this way. Who are you listening to? Adam and Eve had been listening to the lie, the deception, the deception of the one whose purpose it is to make us stumble. What lies about yourself have you been tempted to believe? Maybe you've heard things like, you're never going to measure up. You can't do that. You're not as good as or smart as. They don't like you anyway. Unfortunately, there's a lot of deception in this world. God said to Adam and Eve, who told you that you were naked? They were certainly no more naked now than they were when God created them. It's just that now they have a shift in their understanding of themselves so God is asking this question, and He's asking it of us, what has shifted in your life? Because Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. Jesus said, though you may have trouble in this world, I have overcome this world. And the New Testament affirms, He who is in you, that's God through the Holy Spirit, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Believe me when I tell you, you are a child of an awesome God. 
Don't believe me just because I'm telling you. Believe me because that's what Scripture says. Then God goes straight to the third question. This is a moment of honesty for us. Have you eaten from the tree that, that I commanded you not to eat from? The question is, have you done it? Again, this is not God trying to get in your face. This is not God trying to get an answer because he doesn't know it. He's trying to get Adam and Eve to a moment of raw honesty to own up to it. God is saying, look, I know there was a serpent whispering lies in your ears. Did you give in? You see, it's an invitation to be brutally honest with God who already knows. And being brutally honest with God is the first step toward healing and restoration. Look what's come out in our story so far. Hiddenness, excuse-making, blame-shifting. The oldest trick in the book is to keep your eyes on everything else that you won't have to look in the mirror. And so our Heavenly Father comes to us and He says, I understand. I know why you're doing it, but I need you to pause. Because if you continue down that path, then your connection with me, the intimacy we once shared or we could share will be lost because you're keeping me at arm's length. So God says to Adam and Eve, I know you blew it, but guess what? I'm here talking with you. Now, if you were to keep reading you know that Adam and Eve are cast out of the Garden of Eden forever. But there's one thing that God does as they're on the way out that otherwise you might just read over, gloss over, or not really take it in. Here's what we're told in verse 21. And again, this is after they've blown it, after God has leveled consequences as a result of their actions, verse 21 says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. You're thinking, okay, cool. He made clothes for them. He did more than that. It says that he made garments of skin for them. That means something living was sacrificed in order to cover their sin. That would set the tone, the foundation for the ultimate expectation that someone else is going to eventually come along and have to give a life, their life, in order to cover for our sins. Been telling you the whole Bible is about Jesus. And here in Genesis chapter 3 is already the preparation for him. That someone is going to come, and that's Jesus. And his life is going to be given for your life, for my life. That he's going to die on the cross in place of our sins. Why is this God's response? Because of His deep love and commitment to us.
We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.